All right. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? Welcome to Rebecca Live, episode 267. Uh, Friday, New Zealand back in semi-lockdown for Auckland CBD. It doesn't affect me at all because I've been doing the exact same thing over here in California for month nine, which is great. Uh, today we have on the show a good friend. We'll start with that first. Good friend and dot, 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 uh, CEO of Spirit Odd Adventure Trust. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Pilbrow. How are you, mate? I am great. I am, I've got a day at home today, which... Uh, is I can catch up on some work, which is nice. <laughs> not, oh, okay. not the, uh, I, yeah. I, I feel a little threatened once again with your backdrop because you um just you're just making yourself look very intellectual, just extremely well, well read. Well, you can go this way, but or you go the Robet way, which is whiskey is behind them. <laughs> yes. So well, I've got, yeah. On the one little bit, I, I I have I've just got one little little copy there. <laughs> a little just, I gotta, gotta gotta keep yeah. it consistent. Yeah. Um, uh, you go. Oh yeah, so I've read most of those books, I think. Yeah. Have you actually? I never used to be. Yeah, I never used to be a reader. Eh? I don't know about you, but you know, through school and stuff, I never really got into reading. And then I think I was about thirty. I just read a book, probably a full book for the first time, and thought oh, this is a pretty good time. And then went into got into it, you know. So fiction, non-fiction. Where do you go Both. to? I love, I love, um, I love people's stories. You know, mm. so like I don't know if you read. <laughs> Just finish reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's story. He's no. he's, he's your he's what, was he your ex mayor or something? Um, and it was fascinating. You just see this guy coming to a country as an immigrant and just hustling like from day mm. one. I mean, I mean, obviously he worked to be an incredible bodybuilder and an actor, but he always had a side hustle. Like he was doing up houses and painting and doing gutters. And yeah, it was it was a pretty inspirational book actually. I, mm. I was pleasantly surprised. And then and the latest one I just read is Flea's Story. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another yeah. amazing book. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. But, I, um, I'm more into the audio, but I can't control myself to sit down and commit for time. So I always will multi do it. So I'll have an audio book while I'm either walking or doing something or driving or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. or a condensed version. Um, so anyway. Well, because you, you and I are both sort of slightly ADHD, to be honest. We find it really yeah, hard to <laughs> Can't do it. You need to try, um, buddy. You need to get that zen. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to meditate. I've been doing meditation. Been trying to do a bunch more of it. Cool. Um, I've got like a muse, like hit little headband thing. It tries to gamify it, so at least it's some type of mental competition for me to try and just like nice. balance it out. And um, I've been wearing um like heart rate trackers to try and track my heart rate at different times because I'm obviously pretty emotional. I get pretty hyped on some shit, and then I and then my I'll just like my my heart rate just goes through the flipping roof you know and it's kind of yeah, dangerous because yeah. then you don't when you're emotionally driven and charged and it's in a situation like stuff that go, 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 whatever you know you just get hyped yeah. it's like actually yeah. it's not not the smartest thing Rebet. so maybe just yeah, yeah. you know yeah. but just, just I'm, only, anyway. I'm only 35 got a bit of time um where do i want to start here actually i'll start with this you were the chief transformation officer at yellow and now mm. you've taken quite a dramatic shift out of the yeah. technology SME business um, digital marketing landscape, and you've taken a totally other shift in another direction. Yeah. Why did you shift from such a big tech role into probably one of the most non non tech? Maybe I'll flip it the other way. Why did you shift from such a commercially driven role to such a community driven role? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I, mean, I think you're partly to blame. Uh, <laughs> but, um, 
so I, I think um, it's like, I, I'm, sure that, I'm sure a lot of people relate to this, right? You, you sort of do, you do a job and you do a job well and you have some, you know, have the rewards and I guess, I guess success, whatever that looks like for you. Um, but I don't know, I've always had this inner uh, drive in my life to go, uh, and it's it's been ever since in my twenties actually, which I get this sort of ping about year two or year three, and go, is it enough? Am I doing enough? And when I say, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough for my whānau? Am I doing enough for my community? Am I doing enough for my country? And um, and when that starts to rise in me, it's it's hard for me to ignore it. And so what happens in a corporate environment? I keep start. I keep asking the question: What's our mission? What's our vision? What are we? What are, what are we actually shifting? What dial are we shifting? What are we changing? And if it's an EBITDA dial, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because because you know, for business to be successful from a commercial perspective, you you know, you have to chase that. So I'm not being critical, but for me, if that's all it is, then I start to get a little bit uh, a little bit twitchy. You know, I just start to think, actually, no, I want to do more. And so I've sort of stepped into corporate. And and I learn, learn the skills, do the mahi, um, and then I'd like to bring that back into into NGO world. But the outcome is a changed life, and that's what makes me smile. Yeah. So I guess that's a very quick summary. Yeah. Do you think you would have, if you had, if you felt like you had won earlier, like let's say in your thirties or or late thirties, do you think you would have jumped soon, or did we still? Did you not feel that you'd reached the top yet of what you could do in the commercial space? Like, do you feel like um, you're tapped there, or like, yeah, because you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think. There's let's put a very quick thing on the table. Whether you work in a commercial world or NGO world, the skill set to me, uh, uh, there's a lot of similarity, and there's a lot each could learn from the other. So, at NGO world, you always approach something. You're always working something from nothing. So, you'd know this from being an entrepreneur, right? You're constantly. You don't have the big marketing budgets. You don't have the big teams. Um, so I always start with, what can we achieve? How big is the problem? How big is the hole? How big is the challenge? And then we figure out how we do it, but you're coming from a place of you don't have the resources or the you know the cash. And, mm. and that, to me, means that you have to dip right into your skill set to do that. In some ways, it's a little bit easy when you have a big budget. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, when yeah, you're I've got a yeah. I've got a, a friend who was representing a, the marketing manager of a, a very big global company, and I asked him what's the difference between going from that to startup world because he'd gone through a similar journey mm. in the last couple of years, yeah. and he said, um, when you've got a big brand and an engine, you could totally stuff up absolutely everything the entire time, and it's not going to matter anything because you're a smidgen for someone else's, and it's not even your own money anyway, and they've got yeah. such big global guidelines with what you can and can't do that it's essentially a blueprint, and you just need to basically pick the agency and just make sure shit doesn't stuff up because everything's regulated right. and done. There's almost, yeah. you've got huge budgets, but no real choices to really actually make, so you kind Correct. of, you felt like a bit of a placeholder, and I know yeah. it's the wrong even though you'd think, oh, you're the marketing manager of this trillion dollar global company, mentally he felt like he was just intellectually cog. not being utilized and he was fully a cog because he, he said, yeah. anything I do doesn't actually shift the dial. I literally am kind of a placeholder here and that's mm. one of his one of his things. So I, I definitely know um, what you mean opposed to when you're in startup world, it's like, hey, I've got a thousand bucks, I need to get a hundred customers, go. Very similar to MGO, very similar. And I think the, the first aha moment was probably in my 30s. So, um, in the uh, a lot of people relate to sort of in, I don't know if they still do it, but 
if you were doing really well in a big company, um, they used to put you on like a fast track, you know? So I was working for an oil company. I was doing really, really well. And then they started to fast track me into roles. So what that usually means is you start moving. So they'll, they'll move you to Whangarei, they'll move to Tauranga, and then they'll move you to Wellington. The next minute you're in Singapore and then you'll be in South Africa and so on and so forth. Um, and um, and again, I felt exactly like that. The, the brand was Caltex Oil. And we changed from our... <laughs> I remember sitting in a room and they changed the branding in the 90s and they spent like $52 million worldwide to change a star to a slightly cooler looking star. <laughs> and... And then the edict came down from Singapore. You know, we had specific rules of how we had to place a sticker on a pump, and and I get all that. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to be critical of that, but I kind of I felt exactly like your friend. I kind of thought I'm just a cog in a system, and I could chase that rabbit down that hole, and, and I'll become a big corporate junkie. And that's and again, but that doesn't align with who I am. Um, so NGOs a lot more like startup. You 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 know, I'm I'm one day I'm the accountant, next day I'm, I'm the HR person. I'm the I mean CEO. Really, the only difference between me and my staff is that the board knows who who's asked to kick if something goes wrong. But other than <laughs> that, we're all doing the mahi to make this thing hum, and and that's especially at the spirit, right? So, um, yeah. For so I love it. So, so I was yeah. just going to say for those yeah. who don't know what the, the the spirit does, just a quick quick yeah. nutshell: what does it do and how does it do it? Geez, I tell you what, mate, I fall in love with this brand, eh? I tell you, I, I said to myself, I was going to go back in NGO. It had to involve environment. Um, the ocean, um, Aotearoa, and the youth transformation. That's what I'm looking for. And a lot of youth brands that I dealt with in the past were awesome, but they tended to expose the problem or touch on it. What the Spirit does, um, and it's done it for almost 50 years, is that you jump on a ship with 40 of your peers that you do not know. Some kids arrive in a Range Rover. Some kids arrive on a bus with, with no shoes from Murawa up north, Right. And these 40 kids are jammed in, in bunks at the front. First, when they walk on the ship, they hand all their devices over. There's no technology. And you have 10 days where you have to come together as a team. You have to learn. There's no there's no gender. There's no diverse. Those things don't get in the way. You just got to get on because you're on a ship in the middle of nowhere. And this thing doesn't move unless you come together as a team. And what happens by day six, most kids hit the wall. They've been throwing up or they've been working hard or... And, and they want to get off the ship. By day 10, you can't get them off. And they're lifelong friends, and it absolutely changes their life. And I've been reading the research from Otago, and uh, they, and they, they research kids going on when they get on the ship, when they come off, six months, nine months later. And the transformative nature of, of what we do is, oh, my, I should say it to you, bro, it will blow your mind. It's unbelievable. Love to see it. I mean, if you're, you're into MPS schools, if you're into MPS schools, just taught marketing, and I'm – I'm, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit critical of MPS schools, but, um, you know, the, the average youth development program through the Ministry of Youth Development hits the 55, we hit 85. So so it, it actually does something, and, and that's why I'm passionate about it. Absolutely love it. And it's just through the challenge of the sea. That's, that's what it is. It's really interesting with the dynamics of when they're fully cast into it because the physical – it's like in, in snowboarding, you and somebody, you're right at the top. There's no chairlift around. There's no nothing. It's just you hiking to the top thing. You have to get down. You have to go as a unit together, full stop, or you die. It is, yep. it is life or death, black or white. Yep. And in an age when you're kind of putting all of these things physically on a ship, they are physically disconnected from any escapism, any simple way to see it. There's no, there's no yep. exit. It, it's, you need to confront every single 
um, communication barrier and emotional barrier and yeah. physical barrier and everything. It's it's almost forced solution solving in real time. But then when you have youth, I'm imagining, I bet all of them probably lose their shit after two hours without their cell phone on day one, right? <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Because <laughs> you take, yeah, oh, I do. <laughs> so um, forget the youth. But you take 16 and 18 year olds, and that's the most transitional stage of life. I mean, if you remember when you were a kid, right, it's, it's a real complicated year. You get into serious exams, you probably had your first girlfriend, or probably you'll be onto your fifth by then, but um, no, I knew a bit. Um, but, you know, you're trying to discover who you are. You know, you, uh, we get confused about our gender. There's a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're trying mm. to work through. Um, and everything in the world has a very binary approach to it. You know, it's either you're that or this, or this. And it, it's very confusing. And then, and then the, the young people today, and even us, we, we know how to build a community in a digital space. We're fantastic at it. Mm. But what you've got to do when you get on the spirit with 40 people that you do not know, that's the rule. We don't we, you, we make sure you don't know and you're from everywhere around Aotearoa. Um, you've got to learn to create a community. And mm. the community, the old-fashioned the old way, you've got to actually have a conversation. You, you know, you've old got school. to... And, and so what happens is, is and what it teaches, what I've really seen out of it, mate, is that the community they create it's like a, it has the glue that lasts a lifetime. And I, I met a guy yesterday who was uh, 78, went on the spirit. Um, I was 75, went on the spirit. He was on Voyage 1 in 1973. Wow. And he still vol he still volunteers for us. <laughs> he, he comes on and cooks for kids. He's unbelievable. You've been able to create experience that you know has all those dynamics is such an intersection point of guaranteed effect on someone's life. Um, you know, when you think about moments and moments in business, it's like, okay, cool. We've got COVID and tech and this and that and data and it's a moment and, and it has this, it has a thing which changes everything. It's a nucleus that, that changes entire ecosystems, but something like, like this, you know, like when I went to Japan for the um, first or second time when I like live there, um, I could speak a little bit to get by, but when you are fully immersed 100% yes. physically there with no escapism, you pick shit up real quick and it is just all consuming every different interaction. It's all new and your brain just gets into a different um, wavelength, you know, of, yeah. of what it's seen and how it's interacting and the challenges in real time and just the most simple things of, of communi mm -hmm. communication. Like I can almost imagine as well, most of these young bucks today that are communicating online with, you know, sliding to the DM, swipe right, left, all that jazz, mm -hmm. it probably is extremely scary for them to, to sit down with people they don't know to look them in the eye and actually have a conversation it's, quite, it's exactly. pretty pretty surreal yeah do you feel do you film them it feels like its own reality show do you just do each one as its own like little vlog thing? yeah yeah we but we're really careful we want the place that we want the environment to feel safe um a, a space True. where um you know you can bring your whole self a place where you uh, you can discover you know, we will never say to you, "Come to our ship. We're going to transform you." It's not about that. It's about the it's about the challenge of the sea. So we, we're working with Pete um, Pete Berling and Blair Turk a little bit with their charity yeah. called Live Ocean. And I was talking to them the other day, and they they you know both of them are um, amazing, obviously incredible New Zealand's best sailors. And they talk about you know whether it's sports, snowboarding, or whatever, um, or whether you do drama or your music or whatever. It's what, what's challenging you as a young person? I, I always say for a young person, well, I don't say this, I've read this. Um, if someone has a cause greater than themselves, then sometimes your eyes go outward and mm. your problems become less. And I guess that's what we're trying to do is trying to give young people 
a bigger worldview to help them move past, you know, past kind of what's in their world right now. Um, and and you know, like, and we're sponsoring kids, mate. This is a, this is probably the biggest joy of my life. Is that I, I want no barriers to entry. If you if you need to transform, you know, if you want to get to have an experience, then I'll get you on there. Um, just sponsored a, a beautiful kid from the East Cape. You know, just cannot afford to go anywhere near this ship, but they're coming because they just have the potential and that. And you know what I look for? They volunteer in their community. They're doing things in their community. They they haven't got two cents to rub together, but they are already doing the mahi to try and mm. move themselves forward. And I, I guess, bro, if you think about, so you asked me a question at the beginning, the difference between tech world um, and, you know, transforming a, a big brand from a uh, from a print-based brand to a tech brand. There's a lot of similarities. You know, it's transformation. It's, it's mm. um, and it's very similar to a startup. And that's what, what really excites me. And I love it. And, um, and I've just forgotten how much I loved it. And it was all because of you and that bloody conference you dragged me along to last year called Power Moves. And uh, and but it was good. It's what I needed at the time. Just a gentle reminder of who I was and what I should be doing with my life. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And I think as yeah, well, I'm when you make passionate. a decision like that, at the time, it, it um, it, it probably means you're going to have less regret in about ten years. <laughs> you yeah, know? because well, let's, it... you know, like a, a big thing I I always think about, you know, the future regret of others, and you know, when you get to a spot like cool, like tap that great smack that yeah. mean next yeah. yeah but then if you yeah. did it too late you might not be able to get as much impact and then you'll be like shit if only i would have done it sooner or whatever so you know you're actually yeah. saving yourself a future regret which is pretty awesome that's cool dude well actually the best way to put it is, is when i was chasing the corporate dream my wife said i was a bit of a dick and so, <laughs> oh, um, that's yeah and, that's... Uh, yeah because i just I, I just get so focused with you know you and i similar. We, we just get so focused so drilled down on it and um and I really think some of the life choices I've made of, you know, we've married 32, 31 years this year, and I think some of the life choices I've made have fed into that as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. Look, that's my story. Everyone's got their own, their own, their own thing they need to carve out. I mean, the people that make lots of money, I love them too because they sponsor kids on the ship. So it's you know, yin and yang. But I, I think the question I've got for you, I guess, because I'm going to interview you now. But it is what? interesting. Coming, <laughs> but it is interesting. Yeah, but it is interesting, bro, isn't it? When you come through COVID and we're stuck in this world right now, like you and I would much rather do this over a beer, right? We hug, we connect, you know? Um, but the COVID world this year, you know, we've we've almost removed those social uh, things. And as humans, I think we're designed to be social and it is quite a real reminder mm. that Zoom's great. I, I love Zoom, it's fantastic, but I also hate it at the same time and, and what it's doing to our community. Mm. So... That's a real gentle reminder through all this as well, isn't it? I agree. Uh, I think the the dynamics of connection has changed quite dramatically. And one of the things mm. that I know is a bit of my superpower is when I'm physically in a room with anyone or any situation, I can read all the energy with my eyes closed. I can literally yeah. pick apart without anyone saying anything. I'm like, okay, boom, 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 tension, this, that. Like I can see the whole thing play out. Yeah. visually well, trying yeah. to decode that remotely yeah. is extremely difficult. Like I'm doing it yeah. and it's happening, but, but, but the calls need to be longer. You need to have more actual conversation. It's more, yeah. you know, like when someone goes to their first job interview, I mean, not that I've ever had a job interview, but I know that <laughs> they put on, well. a, yeah, but, but you know, like, you know, when they do, they put on a shell of like, yep, I've done. Gah, 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 gah. It's very chameleon-esque, right? Yeah. Of their title yeah, of it. It's not actually them. And, 
what I felt happened for the first little bit was in, in lockdown was all the people were still having that chameleon on at home of without with perfection, right? Like they're supposed to like people were putting full makeup on and no kids or dog or this and that. And it was almost this weird thing of backgrounds. <laughs> What's the background? And then it, what it felt like it slowly started breaking away. And, you know, when people were coming out and leaders were coming out, being seen at home, not in their suits, that was yes. a big thing, right? When you were seeing the, yeah. the boss in a t-shirt, you're like, whoa, okay, they're a human. Oh, they see a kid coming in the background. And I actually think that the shift of, if you took screen grabs of everyone's Zoom calls on week one versus week 10, 11 after COVID, yeah guarantee you visual shift and i know it because mm. i've seen it but also it, it feels like maybe it's humanized it's taken away a little bit of that chameleon yeah. shell for, for leaders in business which is good but simultaneously the the true connection piece of being with them definitely is is missing i think that the human connection has just potentially amplified even more to your point where i think you know old school be the new new school they want to see them look them in the eye well, have a beer yeah know? exactly and i remember um I remember uh, you, uh, you would have grown up. But did you grow up with Jason Gunn on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. He is, yeah. Love that guy. He's he's fantastic. And I, I remember having a crack up with him one day. He goes, "Technology is so good, it's taking us backwards." Um, and and what he was meaning by that is that you know we used to ring people and have a conversation, mm. and text is you know. Uh, and look, I'm not sound like I don't want to sound like that old guy in my day. You know, we used to ring people. But I think what I guess what I'm saying to you is exactly what you've just said is that. This year has taught us that, you know, yes, this has broken down barriers, which is great. You know, you're in my home, you know, so that's cool. And, you know, you haven't been in my home before, so it's lovely to have you here. But it also has reminded us that um, that 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 wider, that that spirit that comes from connecting and being in the room with each other um, really is magical. And, um, and you know, and I think... I think that's probably why, again, coming back to the spirit, why I love that is when you're when you're in an environment, an eco environment, where you've just got to get on with each other, um, mm. something beautiful happens, and it's it's just it's great to it's similar to what you and I did last year, or when yeah. you did it, I just rocked up, but um, you know we had that community come together of people, nobody knew any anybody, um, or some people knew, but you know what I'm saying, I knew hardly, I didn't know anybody, and this beautiful vulnerability happened from the first second to the last second. Mm. And we made lifelong friends, and yep. it was what two and a half days together, three days. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So. It takes a lot to. I think the magic with it. Someone said before, like you know, your world's extremely weird. It's like a magnet, a magnet of gathering. You know, yeah. you know how to curate, and and I can see it differently because I know the the then what. I know that if if I have all these bubbles of trust that I know. And if I create a safe space for all those other bubbles to just organically in, interact, that gives them the leeway to be vulnerable and open and, and more challenging and thought-provoking, but with respect <laughs> and fun and mm. challenging, but, but not in a, um, like creating these spaces of energy with humans is something that I've, I've always, I've done for years, actually. And I've just never really realized mm. it. And it's not until way later I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, actually, no one else really does these things. Oh, there's a reason why dot, dot, dot. There's a reason why dot, dot, dot. And it's just kind of instinctual mm. for me. But, um, yeah, it's been cool to see those relationships um, become lifelong with others. Mm. On the thought of relationships, I've been very ex very happy about one thing, very disappointed with one thing. Very happy oh. that you're now on year 32 of marriage. But definitely disappointed because I'm still yet to see that your tricks from 30, for 30 years of marriage. <laughs> You keep telling me so, about something, don't you? It's so <laughs> gnarly because you're so you're not even crazy old. 
right? No, and no. you've been married for 30... 12. Mm. 12. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> and you, you, shipped, you flew back out from Utah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> I want to talk about marriage, right? I'm on year, yeah. coming into year nine. You're on 30. You know, I, I married at 20... 24, married 26, now 35, year nine. Um, but you've been married for 30 years, 31 right? Years, yeah. 31 years in December, yeah. How, when you think about, everyone says, you know, you, do you feel you've both changed together or changed separately, or have you changed? Well, Amanda would often say that she's she's married to her fourth man now. Um, Interesting. So I think we've changed. Yeah, I think we've changed together. I think... We've, we've, it's interesting because, eh? you know, life can be hard and it can be great. It, you know, life is a, 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 what's a roller coaster, isn't it? It's, a, you know, up and down. And, um, it's kind of, I think the biggest thing for us is how we work through our shit together. You know, how do we, mm. and we get better and better. I mean, I mean, you know, I, geez, by year two, my wife almost kicked me out the door because I was just being such a douchebag because I just, just selfish and, you know, you know, just driven to do, but I was 23. Cool. You know, but I had to learn to to be. Um, uh, I had to learn to realize that I have this. You know, as you do, she's a completely different person, and the way she processes and does things is completely different. So, I guess for me, I had to change. So, she's not changing me. I think I want to be really clear about that. It's not about changing your partner, but it's about re the respect to be willing to to, to learn and to to adapt your style to suit what's best for them and vice versa, but still maintaining who you are. So, cause I'm, I'm an extra complete extrovert to my wife who's an introvert. So, um, so we've had to learn to figure that out. But, mm. um, you, I guess, I guess the way I'd summarize Rebecca is this, you're either into or you're not. If you're not into it, fine, move on. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Cause yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise you're just going to have a world of pain. <laughs> You know, yeah. But if you if you're committed to and and you're genuinely in love with this person and you're committed to making it work, then you will be self. That'll make you self aware enough to do something to make it work. That you know, that's that's. I guess that's my theory. My conclusion after 31 years of making a complete mess of it sometimes, many times. In fact, I've got a list. She keeps a list for me of all the times I've messed it up. So that's quite long, you know. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. What is on the list? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I can be pretty arrogant at times, um, forgetful. I think the, the worst thing I can do for Amanda is um, take her for granted. Mm. You know, so I know that about her. Um, and we've done things like, I don't know if you've done Enneagram or um, uh, love languages or things like that. So for me, for example, for years and years and years, I've bought Amanda flowers. You know, here's flowers, I love you. Here's flowers, I love you. And then finally, after about five years, she goes, you know, I hate getting flowers, don't you? I went, why? She goes, because they die. They're a waste of money. I was like, oh. So, then I, changed shoes. I, started, so I started buying shoes or jewelry. And she goes, you're not hearing me here. I don't want that crap. She and wants said, time? What? No, she wants me to clean the toilet. Oh, tasks. This is the, the, the love language thing. Yeah. Ask us. So, so, so I clean the toilet, mate. Barry White comes out. It all gets romantic. I mean, honestly, I could buy a million flowers, but if I clean that toilet, it's all on, you know. So, uh, but when I discovered that with my wife, like, like that's the way. That's something that shows love to her. Mm. Then, and I switched my. I saved a lot of money because I had to buy flowers, which is great. I switched my style to suit that. It just it tra transformed things. So for me, it's words mm. of affirmation. 
really hard for a man to do. She had to write notes to herself to remind herself to write to remind her to write a note for me that she loved me mm. because it's not her natural style. But once she learned how to do that, that that connected it. So, mm. so yeah, I think it's you know we talked about the books at the beginning. You know, reading books and stuff. It's about the willingness to learn mm. and then willingness to transform. I think that's and, my theory. But- but I know deep down you're the you're the same person of who you are, but you change and evolve yourself over time. Like I know that my energy is different from when I was eighteen to of like I'm going out to go try shoot, go kill, destroy. Yeah. Twenty of like now I'm going to build, and then thirty is like now I'm married, now it's fam, and the perspectives and energy sort of shift, right? And I think that what I'm what I'm noticing, you know, from obviously now I've been together for eleven years, almost twelve years, is um, as we go through these phases, your your journey, you're at a different path. So the way you see the world is it's almost like you're wearing a different lens. Like you put a little camera on, you put a different yes. lens on. Now I've got yeah. like a different lens and I'm seeing it a bit of a different way. I can and I'll physically be in the same place from 10, 15 years ago, but I see it differently. And I yes. think when you, both you've got the same lenses on that I could guess I call them lenses. Um then you've got more, I guess, empathy for like, hey, we're now at this sort of phase. It's not about us. It's about them. How do we morph, morph that together? We'll kind of slowly weave that together and depending on, yeah. you know, not being working or working or traveling or this and that. Um, but yeah, you're, exi- you, you're definitely right. I think it's the evolution together, you know? Yeah, it is. And I think, um, and, and that's where you kind of stuff it up or, you know, uh, you know, um, iron rubs iron makes the sharp blade, you know, as you come together, you sort of, mm. you sort of work it through. And, and, um, and I guess, I guess the other thing too, that we've always, for us, we've always had a mantra, um, and we've stuck to this mantra, sort of, um, and, 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 and this is our words for whatever it is for you, but kind of our God or our universe or our spirit, you know, what leads us, what is the, what is the, the, um, the wider that, ha- that hangs over our whanau, right? So it, for us, it's God, right? Then, then underneath that, we have family, whanau. And for us, it's you know, it's our kids, it's our marriage. That's really, and then there's everything else that's under that. Mm-hmm. And everything else is my work. Now, what happens more often is that things in life, like work and tasks and all those sorts of things, it can flip that model upside down. And I, I guess, and I don't think this is an old-fashioned thought, but I kind of go: if you choose to be married, if you choose to have children, you know, if you choose to do these things in your life, then I think you have a responsibility to make sure, make sure they're your priority. And don't get me wrong, uh, I'm not trying to preach from the, uh, you know, the high stall that I've got this together. I, I've always struggled keeping those three things in balance. But I know that when I do get that in balance, it's like that beautiful word, haoro, uh, which means, you know, you're sort of your spiritual, your mental, your emotional, and your physical. If they're in sync, then you yeah. start to really find your zen, I guess, if that's the right word. I think it's the same with marriage. If you choose to have children, you've got two little baby, beautiful ba- babies or young kids, you know, you as a man, you've chosen to, with your partner to to create and therefore you have a responsibility to make sure that that creation becomes the most amazing thing that you can give to this earth. So that's what kind of drives us a little bit without being too mm-hmm. over. <laughs> but you've got those, you've got a, you've got a hierarchy of a strategy, like a, friend, a good friend of mine, Justin, yeah. um, amazingly smart dude he talked to me about he he calls it buckets he has three buckets he has his family bucket his work bucket and his friend friends and everything else bucket and that's it and he goes you know sometimes it's super heavy on the work front then your 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 friends and fam drop off and sometimes it's super and family and you miss out you you don't get the work stuff done to actually be able to provide back for that or if you're too 
into that, then you don't have your friends to get your own balance out. And the same way that essentially you're talking about priorities and balance, but when you look at those, you know, you're talking about um, the balance of those four things. When you look at athletes in their prime, mm. they have they're having a moment of balance where all their stuff's lining up for them to be in peak performance for them personally. And it, it's the timing of it. It's the prioritization of it. Um, but then for relationships, it, it definitely is that too. And and like clearly over 30 years, you've probably been through everything and seen everything. I, I remember me and wife were at our seven year anniversary and there was this old dog, a couple next to us. And I, <laughs> I look over me. and then, no, like super old dog and not like, oh like like super old dogger like i'm talking like they were 70s and maybe more and uh we were saying oh oh what's up you know blah blah, blah. they have oh congratulations champagne came over whatever um i was like oh, how long have you been married for they're like oh 52 years and we're like holy shit and then i look over wifey went wifey went to the bathroom or whatever and i said to the old dog i was like so what's the secret bro what's the secret and then she just butts in without even just saying anything and she just looks me dead in the eye and she says you need to be brutally honest, even if it yeah. will crush their soul the entire yeah. time. Yeah. All yeah, the time. Exactly. Yeah. And then he just looked over and you started nodding. And it was this moment of like, I get it because you can't, to last that long, you have to be so exposed. Like there's no time to piss around if you're actually going to do it. So either say it to its actual core, yeah. deal with it, but at least you then yeah. know where you at least stand. So I, I think it was kind of like rip the bandaid the entire time because at least it's then honest and I don't know if it's like yeah. the rawest way to do it, but I can imagine a lot of times that things don't get said, like let's for, say for example, yours for five years, she did, she hated flowers. If she just said that shit on day one, you'd be like, dude, well there's flipping 10 grand. I could have saved flipping sweet. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, have you found it the same when it comes to? Yeah. I think the challenge there though, is that it was easy for me to buy flowers. It was harder for me to clean the toilet. So I had to, I had to, so I had to learn to change, right? I had to learn because it's, yeah. you know, and it's like anything in life, it's easy to throw money at things or do things, you know, like what we talked about before. But if you actually got to, you know, get down to the mahi to make, make this work, then then often, more often than not, we're like, oh, God, okay, so you really want me to commit here. You know, you really want me to do the work. Um, I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I think when those things, and those things do get out of balance, bro, they do. Um, mm. But that's where you become honest. And say, look, this is not working. This is just not working. You know, I feel like I've been taken for granted. This is not happening. Um, and, but I'd also say, when life does take over, and it does, you know, we've all, all had those jobs where the next two weeks it's just going to slam your month or whatever it is. You know, when I had my business, you know, it just slams you, right? And um, but so then it was about communicating that, and going, look, I'm really in the, I'm in the trenches right now. This is what's happening. Um, you know, I'm not finding it easy, but I've got to push through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then working out a strategy to make sure that when you are together or doing stuff, for, even with your kids or your 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 wahine, um, that you're doing it really intentionally. So, mm. so, so for example, um, so when you're with them, that you 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 are turning off this thing, you know, um, like a dinner table, dinner ta like a simple one is dinner table, right? Freaking half an hour to each dinner, you know, you don't need to have your phone throughout the, mm. that half an hour just by doing little things like that can just make a huge difference i mean when we had kids so i'll give you an example so when we when, when we had kids at your age i think i might have said this to you before bro was when i got home so i sort of tried to dump my crap in my car type mentally you know as i was yep. driving home and when i got to the front door i had to get to the habit of when i walked through that door the first and i say 10 minutes but whatever it is the first 10 minutes i'm in her world yeah right 
So we would, the kids would come to me. They'd come to me first, and I'd go, hey, guys, good to see you, but I want to go, and I used to go and kiss Amanda first. Yeah, I remember go, you said that, yeah. Yeah, so I'd go and kiss Amanda first, and then we'd say, kids, I'll be with you, and I'll be with you, but I just want to catch up with mum first. And so we got into the habit of doing that. Our kids still talk about today, and they're in their mid-20s. And we'd go to the other room, and I and I wouldn't do what you and I typically do, Rebecca. Um, I'd shut up. <laughs> so I'd say, how's your day? And then I'd shut the crap up and just, just not get into my day. And we found yeah. that little principle, because Mandel was at home full-time uh, for a large portion of it, we found that principle made a huge difference to our marriage, right? Um, and then, yeah, over a glass of wine later, she'd go, so how's your day been? And then we'd have a good old chat about it. But that first intentional piece was really, really important. Yeah, the only time I changed kissing my wife first was when we got a dog, because a dog used to come to the gate. Um, by default. Yeah, that was a little bit tricky. But anyway, no, I'm just joking. But yeah, just that intentionality, bro. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I get it. I, I always, I, I, I don't know if you remember, I remembered that conversation. I remember most most yeah. things. And that's something that I've actually tried to take on too, to make that a conscious thing. So then they see as well that she's the priority. Yes. Not yeah. not them to be distracted with blah, blah. Um, and I've tried to do that a little bit too, which is cool. So no, I get it. Um. I've got a note, a note here I wanted to say, and I don't know whether it's just something that I wanted to talk about or it's something, I don't know if, if, if you have felt or not. Maybe it's because every time we catch up, we have good good yarns around jealousy. You jealousy. What? I want to talk about jealousy. Oh, the word jealousy? Yes. Oh, man. So have you ever been, maybe I'm asking for advice, maybe not, but then I'll, I'll say, <laughs> when you're in the corporate you. world, did you ever feel jealous of those around you or did you, did was it, the um yeah what does that word mean to you when you're in that that world of from your commercial journey to date with your career what does the word jealousy mean to you yeah oh i'd be honest it's it's something i probably struggle with from time to time mate um quite mm-hmm. a bit um now sometimes i get ideas about my station which is probably not appropriate you know i think i, I sort of get a bit arrogant and think i can do that but um i remember before i first became a ceo at 35 um, one of my mentors, a guy called Russ Hewitt, he, he has these things called Hewittisms. He's just one of these guys that just drops gems. And he said, you'll never understand the black chair until you've sat in it. So what he was saying is that everyone aspires to be a CEO, but until you actually become one, you don't realise. Be careful what you wish for almost. Yeah. So I used to be driven by, oh, it is a jealous mindset. Oh, he can do that or she can do that, therefore I can do that. Um, but I... I think the thing I used to always get struggle with, and I still do from time to time, is I get jealous of material things or what others have. Mm. Um, so it's the funny thing we've had to have this conversation about the other side. Yeah. But I'm still human in the sense that that's that's something I just need to be aware of. I've got I have to say in the last ten years I've I've got way less interested in that. But I remember in my earlier years, I was quite driven driven by that, especially when I made life decisions like working in an NGO or like you're doing in a startup. You know, you're doing hard, hard work, and you don't often get the rewards that others get if they if if the, at the same age working in corporate. So they rock up to yep. your house and they're driving a brand new this, and you're still driving the cruddy old Corolla. <laughs> and that took me a while to get over. Um, that was sort of a bit of a demon that sort of kept popping up. Um, and it doesn't as much, but I remember in my 30s and probably early 40s that used to smack me around a bit. Mm. Um, but it's all bullshit, really. I know so, that now. Yeah, so it's funny you say Russ. I don't. I don't know that. So Russ is one of my boys too. Russ Hewitt. Yep. Yeah, from Vodafone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He so helped he is- me. Um, 
he's he helped me with a few things um so yeah no i asked because i've been wondering about um and this happened so I'll, i'll rewind back um someone else in the similar space does similar things and i'm just on my own buzz right just doing my own shit look jacinda's amazing okay you just need no, to relax and realize she is <laughs> no and so um anyway me and him finally even like cr- kind of crossed over and he's just doing his thing and i'm just on my own buzz anyway we go for a beer once finally like years later right a couple yeah. of years later and he sits down and he goes hey look man i just really want to apologize for not kind of connecting up earlier and stuff with with everything i'm like dude it's all, like it's all good bro what are you talking about and he goes i was really jealous of thinking you were a threat to what i did that i kept you at arm's distance by choice and purposely because i felt that you were trying to take my lane and this is after you finally got to know me whatever and i was like bro i'm not even dude i don't give a shit it's all good bro like you do you man flipping street like go for it but it was weird because in his head he had built this whole thing around thinking i was coming for him and then i was like oh that but then i know that when i've seen there's been the classic one that i'll see is i'll do something and then i'll see someone else copy it or a bunch of people try to copy the same type of shit and i'm just like do your own shit like it's all good whatever Who, who cares but then i realized then and so then i got and then i see um so it's like don't copy me just do your own thing it's all good like great yeah. yeah whatever but then i saw something recent kind of recently and i was like fuck stuff that like i could do it better and it wasn't and it was weird because it wasn't jealousy of what they were doing it was yeah. my competitive nature over like no 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 yeah. this is now something which i know i could do better so i want to do that better for myself yeah. and it was just that's why i asked around jealousy because in my head it wasn't jealous of anyone's skill sets or abilities or hard work or anything it was the fact of like wait a second they are doing something which i know i could do and i know i could do it better and it's not that you're copying anything and jealousy of it but that's why i ask about that because for me it was just a bit um it felt different it felt um like it was kind of a good thing of of knowing hey i'm not i want everyone to i love it when I see posts up and people are smashing it. I just think it's like the coolest shit people winning. But I wanted yeah. just to ask myself that question of actually, am I secretly jealous of that person? Do I, what yeah. am I envious of? Is it envy or is it encouragement? You know? Well, you bring up a couple of key things there. And yeah, it just sounds like a psychologist, doesn't it? but I think um, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with being competitive. I mean, when, you know, you, you come from a professional sports background, right? If you're not competitive, you're not driven. Uh, if you're not wanting to take out the competition, then then you're not going to be successful in that space. Uh, and the same applies when you've got a job. That this, you know, if you have competency and you have people like Russell Hewitt around you, that you know other mentors that really believe in you, see your ability to become a great leader, then you you owe it to them and to yourself to pursue that. You know, because mm-hmm. that's that's your that's your gift. That's who you are. Um, so that's that's I think that's great. Um, the, the, only, the only proviso I put on that is if you choose to be married or have a family, then you've got to try and balance that with that. Um, and that can be a challenge, you know. Um, but jealousy is when you step into something different. Uh, so when I stepped out of corporate the first time to, to, to get into NGO, I felt those demons a little bit because, you know, in the corporate, I had the company car, the, the salary was guaranteed and all those sorts of things. It was wonderful, don't get me wrong. And at the time, it, was, it wasn't it was feeding my soul. But when I stepped out of it and saw others, the guy that was, say, below me or same level going up and then going up and going up in the corporate world, and I'm still doing this hard graft, 
Um, yeah, I, I struggled with it a little bit. And it was my wife, uh, again, the wisdom of a great woman. You know, she said when we got married, I'd live in a tent with you. I mean, I haven't tested that, but she said I'd live in a tent with you. Um, and she just keeps saying that. She goes, it's not about that. And I think now that I'm 50, shoot, 52, and I have you know, a 26-year-old son who's married and a 24-year-old daughter who's married and a 22-year-old daughter who just left home a couple of weeks ago and broke my heart because it's so hard to see the last one leave the, leave the fuddy. But now we're sitting around the table the other day having a glass of wine together as a, as a whanau and just having dinner together. Mm. I went, I'm the richest man around, man. This is not about company cars and all that sort of crap. This is the, what's happening here. And their careers taking off and seeing them do their stuff and their marriages are beautiful and the people they're going out with are great. And you kind of go, man, I wasted a lot of energy on that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and to, to keep, don't get me wrong, you know, compared to most, we all, all of us, you and I, we're doing really, really well. So I feel a bit conceited saying that. But you do fall into the trap of always wanting more. And it's a really dangerous game to play, in my view. See, it's yeah. interesting. I went the other way. So two years ago after um, sort of exited the companies and I, I knew we were coming back to the States with um, with wifey for baby number two, I wanted nothing. I wanted, I had this mental thing yeah. in my head. I had one backpack, which is called my go bag, which is just sitting over there. And it's got yeah, my camera, my tripod, yeah. my laptop. My, I've got my go bag. And yeah. I have one go bag and I just wanted, I got rid of my wallet and I put a little thing here. So I put my cards at the back there and I wanted, my whole thing was like one phone, one bag. That's it. I want nothing else. Like nothing. Yeah. I didn't want anything. And then yeah. what's become interesting this last little bit, I'm then thinking of, you know, if there was, you know, a thousand bucks or a, a million bucks or 10 million bucks, a hundred million bucks in the bank. Would it be different? And I was like, nah, I've kind of, I'm just totally the, maybe I'm just not, I don't know. I don't say, but no, actually I lie. When I see cool tech, I want that. <laughs> like, yeah, but that's a cool like, Oh, they've got the new frame rate. Oh, that's a floating drone. Oh, it's a, <laughs> so maybe yeah. mine's, maybe mine's more camera driven. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that's tools. I remember when I left my job to start a, buy into a business on on friday i was on i don't know 250 grand plus a car or something and on monday i was on zero now i'm talking from a purpose position but we went to zero and i think i had enough savings for like three or four weeks and the rent was due on thursday and you got to hustle and and it, that was one example where you just where you've just got to you get down to the roots now that's a that's a that sounds a bit flash when i talk about the salaries and stuff but but i remember when i was in corporate at 30 uh, working for Caltex Oil, and my wife and I, with three kids, sold everything. I left corporate. I went to Bible College to do a Bachelor of Theology. I told you this, That's right. and we lived on. We lived on. I think it was like seventeen grand a year. This is year two thousand with three kids, and um, we made it work, man. I mowed lawns, yeah. I cleaned windows, um, um, and we, you know, um, and I don't want to sound like I'm. I don't want to sound like I was slumming it. You know, it's not about that, but it's about that three years taught us uh, <clears throat> about how much energy and time we waste. And I guess what it did is it turned it taught us how to be altruistic. So with what we've got, yeah. what are you giving? What are you giving to? Who are you giving to? Who are you helping? Who are you talking? Who are you mentoring? It doesn't have to be always financial, but it's about yeah. making sure that you are trying to live outside your selfish little realm of trying to create yep. perfection and actually giving a shit about what happens outside your door. Well, that's yeah. a, the interesting part of trying to balance 
what's public and what's private, right? Like there's a lot of stuff yeah. that I do publicly, but there's a shit ton of people that know me that of stuff I do that's not seen anywhere. And I never talk about it. And I never talk about like, no. oh, I'm worth it. Like it's, but then over time, these bubbles start intersecting. I'm like, oh, wait, what? And I've yeah. always sort of juggled that. But one of the other ones I've got, I feel like I'm in a little flipping therapy session here, but I always love our <laughs> chat. I kind of see, I see a lot of myself in you, like in many ways, in many respects, oh, of, you know, being young and ambitious and trying to, you know, get it and just that whole thing. But one of the, I read, um, the spinoff did that article, that did this article thing on me a little bit ago, and it was super uncomfortable to do. It was oh, weird. Right. At, the yeah, end of yeah, it, yeah. at the end of it, it said um, how, and I forgot I had actually said it in the interview, but I said, you know, it, it's about me trying to balance off my own ego and confidence versus the platform to actually help others, which is something that I feel. And I, I'm aware of it as I'm getting older. But how, when you, you know, you're talking about in your 20s and you're, you know, ego rah rah, I separate ego with confidence because I know I'm insanely ridiculously confident in my own skill set and abilities and I know yep. like when my brain goes to like do something I can flip and do it but it, it pulls along it pulls that ego yep. in sometimes you know and you get a bit you know shit I know when I get it and you know Mel will literally she'll say pineapple and I'm like ah oh, fuck like I've got to pull it back <laughs> in how did you <laughs> is that your, is that your safe word <laughs> yes, my, it is. I've got a safe word. It's literally pineapple if I'm being a fucking tool bag. Because I can, you know, if, my, if I get into a role and then I'm emotional about it and passionate about it, I'm going to flip and I just go probably a bit too far, right? Like I get it. Um, so we said pineapple. How, what was your strategy for kind of growing up fighting confidence versus versus ego? Because I'm, I've been aware of it and I know it, but I know that yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, it has been, I couldn't control it in my early twenties. I became aware of it a little bit ago, and I'm I'm very attuned to it now. But how did you? What was your strategy for for navigating ego and confidence? Well, there's a couple of things. So first, first, and I'm not doing this to blow smoke, mate. But I'll give you I'll give you a compliment. So when we had this conference thing last year that you put on, I don't even want to call it a conference. I don't know what it was <laughs> that we went to. It was just this amazing time. Um, you know, it was something you pulled together, but you 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 largely ninety nine percent of the time sat in the background. So, um, and allowed it allowed it to be. You allowed other people, and and there was no I ego there really. No, I didn't speak at all. Yeah. No, and so being aware of that and doing that, I think shows a massive strength. Um, because when you need to step up, you can and you will. Mm. And there's times when you must. But there's also times to realise that you have got to allow oxygen in the room for others to do the same. I think the other thing you picked up, which I really love, is that you gotta ha- you gotta have people around you that can say, you know, you can say pineapple to, you know, or um, mm. and for me, my wife Amanda's been amazing um, to s- sort of pull out that you've been a you've really been a bit of a dick, mate. Seriously, I mean, I love mm. you to bits, but that that's the Bruce I don't like. You know, that's the Bruce that that just rubs people up the wrong way or whatever it is, and um, so I really appreciate that. But then having a couple of key mentors around you too. So I remember once I was at a, um, we used to have to do this thing called the Father's Breakfast when I was at the parenting place as CEO. And um, <clears throat> basically it was a thousand, we got up to a thousand guys in a room. We got five speakers, seven minutes each. Uh, I used to get a sports person, an entertainer and a business person, all, all smashing it. And then I would speak and then one of my staff would speak. You're seven minutes talking about what it is to be a dad. Amazing. And you, you could not go over seven minutes. Anyway, one of my colleagues was um, speaking and they stay, they said something, and my I, I was sitting down the table down the crew, and I, I went, oh, that. I just did that. That was all I did. My mentor was sitting 500 men over the other side of the room, and he saw me do that. And he came up to me afterwards, he goes, 
man, this was awesome. You've really influenced me, Dave. What a amazing thing. Bro, when someone's in the public and it's one of your team and you do this, you know, you let yourself down and you let them down. Mm. And it freaking hurt. But what a great lesson to give someone, right? You know, mm. and it's finding those people around you a bit that kind of can call the, call the dick card and say, mate, you've been a bit of a douche, you know? Um, yeah. And sometimes it really hurts, but um, and it has. But yeah, I, the other thing, I yeah, look, I've failed a lot. I mean, when I first became CEO, I, God, I must. I think back now, what a, I must have been such an arrogant bloody know-it-all, yeah, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful for the people around me that just gave me the grace and the space to 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 sort of for me to figure it out. Um. And um, I'm so super thankful to those people. Um, and it's easier when you get older too, bro. Because <laughs> you, yeah. sort of, you kind of get more – I mean, when you get in your 50s, you kind of just – or even 40s, um, you kind of – I don't know, you want to be competitive, but you're not as worried about what people think. And that yeah. does make you more arrogant. That makes you more comfortable in your own skin. And so, mm. you know, it's only the last five or six years I've learned that vulnerability at the table is actually a good thing. You know, mm. being open, and, and Brené Brown when she talks, like Brené Brown when she talks about vulnerability, she's not saying that you have to sit at the table and cry every five minutes. Mm. Vulnerability is that you're prepared to stick and stay in the pain, and, mm. and 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 live in that space. So if you're making a tough decision on somebody, or you're you're um you know making a hard call, whatever it is, you 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 sit in that pain. You don't try and jolly along and make everyone feel better. You just go, this feels like shit. We all feel like shit. Let's just work through it. So that's the stuff I've been doing the last five years or so. Yeah, I think it becomes different as well because you go to these different phases in life. You're physically taken out of that one little bubble, and you start to see more. I think what happens, especially maybe early twenties and stuff too, is you're just in kind of one bubble, full drive in the bubble, and just circling around itself. Just you're you're kind of like hyper looping itself in the same vibe and energy opposed to you know mm. when you get a wife and fam get a bit older more perspective you, you then you pop out for a second you look back and you're like oh who's that dude the fuck whoa but yeah i guess mm. it becomes it can come all consuming um mm. as well and it, maybe mm. it is just an age thing too um yeah maybe. well the other thing the other one that keeps you on the straight and narrow is your kids yeah you know there's been many times when my kids have called me out and just said that's not acceptable dad or you can't do that or you shouldn't say that or um Pineapple. yeah um yeah, pineapple. Because you know, it's really interesting, eh? Because you look at the you look at the things that our generation, no, well, not you, but probably more my generation, have not struggled with, but done a really bad job of. You know, mm. um, we're still very, very binary in our approach, right? So, around gender, you know, identifying, um, around culture and race, um, around religion, around or around anything that's that's you know that should we we still we still struggle with it and figure, around marriage, you know, roles and marriage and around mm. all that stuff my generation is still trying to f figure our way or work our way through that mentally my kids generation well certainly my kids don't don't see that stuff mm. and then they start to, they, and they actually hold, hold we see this on the ship but with the spirit they'll hold you to account like they're going so what are you doing about the environment and when and our my generation going oh well you know i've got an electric car yeah no 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 what are you doing about the environment you know that they, they'll yeah. hold you know um, why is there girls and boys toilets? Why is it, why is this not gender fluid? Why you know they'll hold you to account on this stuff, and I think it's fantastic. Mm. So, so it's 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 your generation because you're just you know you're sort of fifteen or 10, 
uh, 12 years behind me or whatever it is. What are 20 years behind me? How many? A long time behind. What are you, 35? Yeah, 35, yeah. I could be your father, um, <laughs> technically. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really trying to open myself up and really listen to that and, and to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, like I'm fighting the things that are sort of in me that I know are not right and I need to mm-hmm. change that. Your generation's closer, and it's, so you're probably somewhere between me and and the 15 and 16 year olds that are coming through and the generation that you're going to influence, you know, yeah. So when we talk about black lives matter and all these sorts of things are coming out, these are, this is my generation cocking it up, mm. you know, in regards to our view of it. And we, and we'll come out and say, well, all lives matter. Well, actually, no, they don't until we get the first thing right, which is black lives matter. You know what I mean? So it's oh, learning yeah. those things. It's, um, well, the, and it's, that's been a big plus this year, I think, in a lot of ways. Not not what's caused those things to come out, but the conversations are standard. And they've been they've been driven by the younger generation to go, actually, guys, enough's enough. Mm, We've got to start well, thinking they, differently. The young bucks are always combative against the way things were and why. So it's challenging to ways of operating or ways of doing or being or technology. But this yeah. next wave is now... But why is it? it? It's it's more questioning, not hey stuff that that's what you've built is shit. It's actually like, well, wh- why isn't this dud? Why isn't yeah. why why why? You know, it's more yeah. it's more challenging with purpose instead of charing instead of challenging out of just pure authoritarianism. You know, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, hmm. I think um, yeah, it's and so I guess what I'd say to other fifty year olds out there is kind of going um, read some Brené Brown. <laughs> Uh, slow down a bit and just just do what I'm doing, which is not easy. I, I went through a year last year, and you were part of that year with with what we did, where I just went all that stuff that was holding me back, all the stuff that was deep in me and hurting me, and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to take it on. Mm. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. I shared this with you. I'm going to take it yeah. on, man. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get a counselor. I'm going to get a coach, and I'm going to face some of this shit that's been holding me back and and that and. And it was hard. It was it was real hard. And you know, there was times I was just turned into a blubbering mess. But I, I'm I'm not ashamed to say it, man. And I dealt with me, my some of the things around my mental health and, yeah. and a whole bunch of things. And I just I went, okay, you want to fight, Mister Bruce? <laughs> you want to fight with all that crap that you're holding on to? Let's have it yeah. on. And we did. And um, would I do That's it again? Well, you know, she was hard work. But now. 18 months later, I'm in this space now where I feel like I'm starting to come out the other side and move into an area mm. of influence that, I, that I'm really proud of. What's well, so, de- decoding the baggage too, right? Yeah, and it went way back, bro. You know, coming from yeah. an abusive family, alcoholic father, all that sort of stuff. You just, I put it into a box and left it over there. So yeah. I decided to get the box out, open it up, dive in and sort it so out. What, I did that with... Um... Is a psychologist, psychiatrist, one of the one of the I don't know the the white Psych- one, but a couple. Of, really, they're, yeah, they're good, eh? Yeah. Um, four years ago, and and I went through. I got a mate, Richie, Richie Hardcore, and um, he's yeah, talking. Really he was talking about some mental stuff. Yeah, and so and I say, like, yo, who, who's who's like the gnarliest dude? You know, like I want to go see this dude, right? And so you not that I had anything crazy. No, <laughs> then he was like, yeah, man. So anyway, hooked me up with this guy, and I rolled up, and I still remember like um. He rolls out, sees me, comes in, and he goes, you're not here for like a regular thing, huh? And I'm like, oh, no, nah, man. Um, you know, I've got other shit bubbling on. I want to try and um, uh, figure myself out. And basically, it went my, my thing, my goal with it was I wanted to decode and dissect how 
I operate and think. Yeah, so great. I knew that if I want to try and break myself, how I'd do it. If I was in opposition or, or someone else, like, yeah, where's the ammo? Yeah. How could I, like, what's my code? And then as soon as I go, I was like, oh, okay, this is my blueprint. This is how I roll. This is what I do. And it was probably so, one of the, the coolest bro, you things. you got to be brave to do it, eh? you got to be brave mm-hmm. to do it. it. It takes, it's it's not easy. And, um, you know, I'm really thankful to my wife and my kids and others around me that said, you know, um, get in there. A great coach is, is the best one. If you if you ever want the, the killer coach that's going to, Mess with your shit, as you would say, Rob. Robert, yep. um, let me let me know, mate, because I'll, I'll hook you up. She was she she was transformable. She transformed oh me in all the ways. Um, yeah. I know you're a busy man. You've got to um, bump off and boost to the next, but always appreciate our yarns, my friend. And congratulations yeah. on the new role. It must be um, thank you so much. Exciting to to transform into a new space with a lot less of the the mental stuff for impact for others, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and um, and you know, thank you as a younger guy for believing in me and encouraging me to take that take that risk. I really appreciate sure, it. Sure. So, well, yeah. appreciate, it, brother. And I'll, I'll see you soon. Eh? Okay, bless you, man. See you. Thanks, bro. Talk soon. Bye, bye. The bro, Bruce Pilbara, CEO of um, a Spirit of Adventure Trust, doing amazing, good stuff um, up in Auckland. Uh, check out. I'm imagining it's. I don't know the, where the website is, but you probably happily Google it. Uh, hopefully you've had a, a good morning. If you're in Auckland, uh, if you did work in the CBD, I'm sure you're at home probably just hanging and cruising, doing whatever you're doing. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, team. Be good. Be great. And adios. I'll see you soon.